Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to a brand new episode of All Night with the Living Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness, the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how are you doing this month? Good. Good evening. Hello, Taylor. Good evening, ladies Hello. and gentlemen. I'm, I'm good at TCB, as the king said, taking care of business. You know, I'm s- another, <laughs> Every day? Another month. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um... Yeah, you know, just keep, as, keep trucking along. As the king said. Of course, I was going to be like, as the Staples commercial says. I know. It's like the... the... So this was Staples or was it Office Max? I think it was. I, I think it was Staples. Yeah, it's like okay. Office Supplies and Elvis Presley coming together in the mashup nobody expected or wanted. Who knew? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing okay. Oh, good. I'm doing okay. January was uh, uh, an interesting month. 2023 oh, is man. off to... Uh, quite the start we had quite a bit of rain Mm -hmm. i know you did too obviously uh california getting pummeled absolutely pummeled uh by a long series of atmospheric river storms the pineapple express Mm -hmm. so to speak it did not bring me a mai tai sadly so i know did you uh, lose any trees in your in your neighborhood um in our immediate neighborhood um no i don't not really in the immediate neighborhood. Okay. Uh, surrounding neighborhoods, definitely um, a lot of our uh, trails and parks are still closed. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorite routes home from work are still closed oh, no. because there are little one and two lane roads mm. uh, that wind up through the hills. And so there's lots of slides and stuff. Um, yeah, we'll see if January 31st for a reopening is reasonable or not because mm. right now i hate taking the freeway yeah um but yeah if anything we like our neighborhood we're kind of almost at the bottom of a very slight slope mm. in in our neighborhood the blocks behind us to the east kind of go up in elevation just ever so slightly mm. but when there's a big torrential rain <clears throat> it means that everything that washes through the gutters there comes all the way down into our neighborhood Mm. and so the storm that hit us on new year's eve itself um flooded our street Mm, okay we we had standing water at the highest point of the street a couple of inches we had water actually kind of up onto our grass in 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 the front yard here yeah up over the sidewalk um yeah it was pretty insane well i'm glad you're safe yeah yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I, I know your area is a bit of a floodplain too. You guys, uh, you guys were okay up there for the most part. I'm okay, but it's, it's really, it's really tragic because there's so many unhoused people that live in a place called the American river parkway. It's a, oh, sure. kind of a right, right by the river, like it says, but a lot of that area is really flooded out. So these poor folks are 
they're almost doubly unhoused so it's, yeah it's, it's tough it's pretty tough but you know what yeah um, it's drying out now so hopefully you know obviously we need more moisture but maybe not so much in such a short amount of time <laughs> yeah no kidding i just saw the first indication that maybe the very very end of january and the very beginning of february we might get some more rain and i was mm. just like oh god please don't let it be a lot yeah <laughs> because you know watching like santa cruz and capitola oh, and wow, you know yeah. places that are very important to us just absolutely get racked yeah crumble away has been has been really heartbreaking mm-hmm. to watch mm-hmm. it's been it's been hard well anyway uh here we are we're starting our our third year Ooh. happy anniversary yeah, it was yeah. two two years ago wow. this month that we started the show so here we now begin our third year our third season we could call it as it were <laughs> but we keep it similar in many ways although we are doing a little something different that i'll talk about in a moment seb what is new in your weird this month well, anything well yes i've got to tell you the president our president the president of the united states has signed the james m in Hoffy, probably mispronouncing that, uh, National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2023. And is it weird that he signed it? It's weird because it contains some interesting, the bill contains some interesting language. Well, it's now a law, I should say. Um, and I'm going to give us, give us uh, our listeners a quick, really quick uh, quote from some of the text of this new law, law of the land, federal law. And it says, the Secretary of Defense shall establish a secure mechanism. I got this information off Congress's website. Okay, okay. So the Secretary of Defense shall establish a secure mechanism for authorized reporting of any activity or program by a department or agency of the federal government or a contractor of such a department or agency relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena, including material retrieval, material analysis, reverse engineering, research <laughs> and development, detection and tracking, developmental or operational testing, and security protection and enforcement regardless of any non-disclosure agreement. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's a little interesting little nugget buried deep in the law. And, um, hmm. you know, of course, uh, anomalous, um, unidentified anomalous phenomena, that's sort of the new legalese for UFOs, basically. You know? Yep, yep. Um, you know, as to what this is going to mean going forward, I mean, it's difficult to say. Um, I mean, from, from a minimalist point of view, if, if UFOs don't really exist in the sense that they're nuts and bolts from another planet, say, um, it might not mean anything, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But the fact that people like us, you know, fans of the weird, the paranormal, have multiplied to such an extent that we can successfully convince our congressmen and women to include such language, pass it, and have the president sign it into law, I think really says something, you know? Um, well, yeah, I can see that for sure. On the other hand, perhaps, just perhaps, this might be the beginning of disclosure? I don't know. Uh, you, have, you have mixed thoughts on that, it sounds like. I, I, I have mixed feelings feelings on capital D disclosure. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I, I I without spending an entire episode on it, I don't think it's something that's just going to happen one day. We're not gonna wake up and that's going to be like the front page news. Really? Interesting. Yeah, okay. I, I just I don't think that's gonna happen. So we got your penny <clears throat> bet settled here on the show for yes, everybody to know. Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. All right. Why not? Excellent. Um but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things. If 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 anything, it's one of those things that trickles out. If it's one of those things, you know, it, it's not going to be a saucer on the White House lawn kind of thing. Okay, I gotcha. Anyway, so that's uh, uh, that's what I got. Yeah. Any weirdness happening in in your month or? You know, I, I really I wasn't 
I, not a whole lot. Okay. There's, there's been a couple of things. I will say that uh, uh, today, uh, on the day we're recording, 23rd of June, um, uh, Greg, Dana, and the crew over at the Haunted Objects podcast uh, dropped a fantastic episode talking about their time going Bigfoot hunting with Jeff Goldblum. The Jeff Goldblum? The Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there, there's a Disney Plus uh series actually it's a national geographic series but since disney owns them you can find it on disney plus called the world according to jeff goldblum oh yeah sure um and so he was doing an episode on monsters oh um and as part of that he talked about bigfoot and learned some stuff about it up in the california uh redwoods with greg and nana okay Wow. And so so they were they were talking about that experience and everything and part of what they also brought up were the Sierra sounds. Oh wow. Uh, uh, which which we were very familiar with all the way back on episode 3. Yeah, season 1 favorite. Yep. And and any time I see somebody bring up the Sierra sounds, I always have to go, <laughs> "Yes, but did you talk about the Jonathan Frakes narrated 1996 CD with the sexy sexy saxophone?" Easily listening Sasquatch <clears throat> recordings. I love it. Oh, it's yep. so good. Now, 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 on the days where their podcast comes out, I save it for, to be the last one that I listen to. Okay. Right? I save, save the best for last. And so here it is early in the morning, and I'm saying, I'm like, come on, tell me this comes up. And they replied, and they were like, oh, yeah, oh, good. it does. I'm like, oh, oh good, excellent, good. excellent, excellent. And it was. It was a great episode. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and just, just remember, you can catch that uh, where you find podcasts. It's also on YouTube if you want to see the visual aspect of it. Um, I will always recommend it. The only other weird thing that's going on is that um, I, I'm having a bit of a weird synchronicity with Podcastica, our other podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, we've done two Third Doctor stories that were back-to-back because they were actually technically meant to be one massive 12-part story. Oh, wow. Uh, and so the the episode after that is like the last one of the season. It's like, well, yeah, let's just go ahead and do that one. That way we can mark season 10 of Doctor Who off our list, mm-hmm. right? And it's an episode called The Green Death, okay. right? It's actually kind of an environmental tale. So it's um, it's one of those things where had I realized, I would have tried to save all of these for a little bit later in the year because all these stories are turning 50, hmm. In about four or five months. Oh. Um, but strangely enough, right about the time that we said, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and do The Green Death as our next episode, um, an article came out uh, where somebody had actually unearthed a bunch of never-before-seen photos hmm. um, from filming in Wales for that story huh. in 1973. And I was just like... Okay, what are the odds of that? Mm. You know, where we decide, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and do that story. And then, boom, here's this article. The, the just time right. So when we do our Who News next week and we, we go to talk about this episode, that's going to be like the very first story we talk about. Okay. Is here are these old photos from this story that we are just about to review. Hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I found I found it weird. Okay. You know, um, but anyway. That's that's about as weird as my weird has gotten. Cool, this month. nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, we begin our third year with something of a plan, and I'll fully admit that I was inspired by the guys over at the Kryptonaut Podcast who covered the story of the Medford Schmooze. Schmooze. This is, it's a Hanna Barbera thing. It's a schmoo. Anyway, in episode two sixty eight of their show, go look it up. 
Google it, people. I realize that today there have been great efforts made to catalog and digitize old UFO group newsletters and magazines going all the way back into the 50s. So why not look back into the pages of history and unearth odd tales and weird sightings that most of our listeners may have never heard before? It would be easy for us. Oh yeah, let's talk about Skinwalker Ranch. Let's talk about Roswell. Let's talk about, you know, stuff that has been hashed and rehashed and hashed again and served with eggs and a side of toast on every paranormal podcast from here to the other side of the planet. Let's do something different. And this is what we're calling our third season, as it were. We're calling it From the Pages. We're each going to go digging around for an unusual story. We're going to recap it, do some research on it, and we're going to bring it to your ears. Hopefully... If nothing else, it'll encourage you to go out and look at some of these older stories and these lesser-known stories on your own. So this time, we have the tale of the mysterious Marshall Monster and the Apple Valley UFO. Ooh, I'm excited already. Well, you know, I I got to tell you, this was such a, a, a flash of inspiration for me. I was so excited about this uh, this year's uh, shows because I, I remember, I think, two Christmases ago, maybe, mm-hmm. you... Um, I think I got you a big stack of random UFO magazines from like the seventies or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was just last Christmas. And, well, n- er, sorry, not twenty twenty two, but twenty twenty one. Right, right, and it, yeah, sorry, they were just so just like just the old quirky vintage ads alone were just worth it. But like, oh my god, right? It's fun <clears throat> because there really are so many great, really bizarre stories that, as we're gonna find this year, maybe have fallen through the cracks. Maybe they're not talked about as much or written about as much. And I think that they they deserve a second look. And I hope I hope our listeners do too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I and I plan to dig those issues out again before too long here and and find something to put into uh one of our episodes so seb do you want to start us off do you want to talk about the marshall monster let's do it the mysterious right. marshall monster so this was a article that was reported in a 956 issue of a publication called u forum i hope i'm pronouncing oh, that correctly clever but, yep. clever it was the publication of the grand rapids flying saucer club volume one number five Okay, so it'd be Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, exactly. I presume. Exactly, yep. Okay. So uh, this club, I, I couldn't find too much out about it. It was organized in 1951 and later died when a lot of the members of the club became split over UFO contactee claims. Some people of believed the contact, people didn't. But they've left us with this treasure of a publication, many of issues of which can be found on the internet, I'm happy to say. Yep, we'll have a link to that in the show notes, and we will have a link as well to a, a massive... Uh, uh, archive mm-hmm. uh, where if you want to just go and explore and see what's out there, you you are absolutely free to do so. Definitely. Um, this tale intrigued me for two main reasons. Um, it's a cryptid tale, but it has, a, as we're going to find out tonight, uh, there's a lot of physical contact in the story between the monster and the monster's human witness, and it seems kind of rare. I mean, there's lots of stories out there of people witnessing, you know, lake monsters or Bigfoots, mm-hmm. but when there's mm-hmm. actual physical contact, it, I don't hear a lot of cases like that um the other thing is all of the research that i was able to do tonight and maybe i missed something if somebody out there in the radio world hears this and knows it they let let us know i'd appreciate it but as far as i can tell i was unable to find any discussion case in any post 1956 sources Hmm, so it it, kind of just fell off off the off the map so to speak um but hopefully we can change that um And it takes place in the small town of Marshall, Michigan, which actually turns out to be the birthplace of Mythbusters' Jamie Heineman, which I thought was kind of cool. And what's really funny, Mm -hmm. 
is that 20 years ago today mm. Mythbusters aired for the first time. Oh, there's a synchronicity. Yeah, right? Yeah, 20. Geez. Interesting. Was it, has 20 it, years. Has it really been 20 years? I know. Jeez. Wow. I know. I know. Uh, anyway. Anyway. So, um, really, really briefly, some of the physical descriptions of this monster, as we're going to hear in the article a uh, few seconds, that the creature was hairy. Oh, so it was Jamie. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I had to time that just oh, right. Oh, I know. It was nearly 10 feet tall. Wow. It had hands instead of paws and claws. It had a strong odor that smelt like spoiled meat. Yikes. Um, the hands of the creature, they were big enough to hold uh, a human's jaws shut with one hand gripping both the chin and the top of the head at once with one hand, which that's a pretty big hand if you ask me. Wow. Um, and as we're going to find out tonight, the probably the weirdest and, in my opinion, creepiest physical aspect of this group were green eyes that were as big as light bulbs. So <laughs> Now, does, does that mean that they also glowed? I think so. Oh, I think or just they were green and the size comparison was light bulbs. I, I, I think they glowed like light bulbs as far as I can tell. Wow. But let, let's do this. Let's jump into the article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, yeah. but I'm just going to, you know, basically a really good summary, I think. Just the highlight. Just okay, because I, I, I will say research for this episode, mm. I am I am not used to reading like scanned or photocopied typewriter type mm. and i had moments where i was like okay i'm 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 looking at words i know that these are words <laughs> what am i reading right oh my gosh or even worse when it's like really bad um ocr and it just comes yes. out as something really funny yeah yeah right anyway go ahead here we man. go here we go all okay, right june 14th 1956 it happened on a saturday night about a month ago when brothers herman and philip william and their friend otto collin um went to their home southeast of marshall just past wilder creek the time was about 11:30 p.m philip 17 years old stepping outside their one-story building for a breath of fresh air saw something big and ran to tell the other two while herman 20 searched for a shotgun otto and philip went outside evidently it was behind us philip said he told of feeling arms wrapping around him and of thinking it was his friend fooling around then he felt himself being hoisted off the ground we couldn't see it it was dark it had big green eyes that were as big as light bulbs they were enough to scare you to death herman who couldn't find his gun ran out and saw the creature toting the two boys who have a combined weight of about 300 pounds herman flicked on the car headlight all of this time the boys had been screaming when the lights hit the monster it uh it, it lost its balance and its grip on otto who landed in an upright position otto then pushed the beast, causing it to lose its balance again thus philip it stood there and watched us probably wondering what we were philip recalled the three boys described their experience to sheriff's deputies so frightened were the young men that they vacated room resident now occupy one herman reported i don't know what it was but we saw some philip added it could have killed us if it wanted sheriff's deputy um sat with shotguns in the area for three nights but found no trace of the green-eyed monster the boys gauged the height of the monster at near 10 they had a glimpse of him in the car light the boy said that the monster had hands instead of paws and claws he held one of the boy's jaws shut with a huge hand which gripped both the chin and the top of the head at once when one of the boys started to scream the creature throttled him with when asked if the thing had an odor the two boys said that it had a rather strong odor that smelled like spoiled 
Emerald Loot. Wow. Now, Dang. Now, that's a crazy cryptid story, in my opinion. I mean, it... it I have thoughts. You have thoughts. Well, yeah. I, mean, I do. It's it's so... Um, it, it's, it seems like so many times we hear of cryptid stories, and the cryptids are relatively benign, or they want to hide and swim away or run away, and this thing was ready to just grab these two kids and run. <laughs> you know? I Yeah. I mean, it makes me... Actually, honestly, it makes me think of uh, some of the giants that have been described up on Mount Jasta. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. You know, mm-hmm. um, especially the ones who will like squeeze heads until they pop, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, right off the bat, I mean, if we're, if we're talking 10 feet tall, 10 feet tall, um, hands big enough to literally like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound muffled here for a second, but I'm putting my hand like bottom of my hand on my chin yeah. and my, the top of my middle finger comes to basically my eyebrow. Okay. Okay. So for a hand to go from the chin to the top of the head, it would have to be, I mean, at least one and a half to two times the size of my hand. It's a pretty big hand. And I've, I've got, I've got a pretty average hand. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, 10 feet tall, we're probably talking something in the neighborhood of, I'd say maybe 800 to a thousand pounds. Probably. It sounds like, like just, it. just, totally kind of like guessing based off watching like probably too much finding bigfoot yeah Uh um but at the same time it's okay so hang on it's it picked up two of the kids yeah one in each and i and i and i say and i say kids but these are late teens and a 20 year old Mm -hmm. yep right so these aren't these aren't like little league players yeah (laughs) right these are late high school early college age kids right um and and they're basically what heading off down a dirt road. Well, the creature is. He's <laughs> the creature. Well, yes. Yeah. But 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 here's the thing. So Herman flicked on the car headlights. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So when the lights hit the monster, yeah. Not when the monster saw the light, right? Because what it what, uh, how I'm reading this is the monster is now walking away. Oh right, right, right. It's probably hitting right? its so, back. Maybe yeah. Right. So why when light hits this? thousand pound beast uh-huh. it loses its balance oh right yeah you see where i'm going with this um well yeah i mean it's definitely uh i don't know if it's i mean if it's a top heavy creature or something i mean I, I look i'm just i'm 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 going by what's written here right right i i, I get it i could be i could be misreading something okay. the car could be positioned differently we just don't have that information yeah right so it loses its be- uh, balance it drops Otto, yeah. right? Who then pushes the beast, yeah. right? So let's let's say Otto's of average height. Okay. So he's between, say, 5'8 and 6 foot tall. Okay. Okay? Um, and so we've got basically a 150-pound person shoving a 1,000-pound beast mm. that proceeds to lose its balance again. Yeah. It, it doesn't strike me as all that likely, unless you're right, unless for some strange reason it's top-heavy. <laughs> I don't know. It's and I'm not and I'm trying I'm not trying to pick apart the story. I'm not trying to say it's a hoax or anything. I'm just going like like in the same way that people go, okay, is Bigfoot necessarily flesh and blood or is it a is it a manifestation of something else? Right. I mean it's Is this a manifestation of something? Yeah, I mean from a purely biological point of view, I mean I think that it's its sense of its poor sense of balance is problematic. I think there's probably things that are more problematic, the sense that it doesn't, you know, fit with any known species of animal that I know of. But Oh, totally. But I mean And and okay. the fact that it can it can like 
you know, start to throttle one of them or, or, or basically use a hand to clamp the head and, and not be so strong as to just crush it. My, my, the thing that I wonder about is what, as, you know, taking the story at face value, assuming that it did happen as, as described. Right, right. Um, my big question was, what, what was the end goal of the monster? And that's where things got a little creepy, in my opinion, because in doing my research for tonight's show, I couldn't find many other um, uh, accounts of this particular incident. But one thing I did mm-hmm. find was an article, June 14th, 1950, the Marshall Chronicle newspaper about this incident. And okay. they added one small creepy tale. It said, the previous night, an area farmer told friends his cat cow had been clawed to death by mysterious oh. so that that's kind of like part of me wonders it's like okay maybe this creature was just lonely and wanted some friends you know but yes but, but I, I read that and that's just i mean assuming of course that you know this this you know cow had, was killed by a green-eyed monster as well uh, so so what you're saying is it's basically the yeti from monsters inc <laughs> he just wants to take him back for some snow cones it's creepy i don't know this is just it is it's, no i it, it's it's a creepy story. Um, it is, and the fact that we've got, you know, um, basically, uh, um, I mean, literally, it's a cattle mutilation. Right. Granted, it's a clawed to death, not a aliens allegedly, you know, surgically mm-hmm. coring out buttholes and stuff. Um, you know, it that's, that's interesting. The only thing that I was able to... <sighs> The way that I look at this story and the way that the context that I view it in, uh, when I was a kid, and even to this day, one of my favorite um, paranormal authors and researchers, a guy named Jerome Clark. Yes. And he, um, I, I don't know, I don't believe he made, he coined the term I'm about to use, but he definitely was the first person that I read that talked about this term. And it's kind of a subset of cryptid stories that he terms or is termed as hairy biped. Mm-hmm. And from what little I understand about hairy bipeds, hairy biped tales or reports, you will, are, are very similar to Bigfoot stories, except for a few differences. Uh, if, if I understand Clark correctly, he says that it, a hairy biped story is different than a Bigfoot story if it meets a couple criteria. So one of the criteria he gives is that it occurs in a part of the country or a part of the world where there just isn't enough um, wilderness area to support um, a big troll biological population of it so for okay. instance he says that if you if a person has a bigfoot sighting in like pacific west that could fall into like the cryptid category of bigfoot sighting sure if it's happening in like the american south east or a rural area um maybe it doesn't make as much sense so maybe we're not talking about something biological but something of a, a higher level okay um, yeah i gotcha i gotcha and also another ca- another you know, uh, thing that differentiates Bigfoot sightings from hairy biped sightings is the hairy biped sightings also um, incorporate um, other things that don't sound uh, necessarily biological. Maybe the creature is exhibiting some uh, weird phenomenon, or even maybe there's also some associated UFO sighting connection. Um, gotcha. And and the thing was, uh, in, in one of Clark's books, there's a really striking report from a place in Pennsylvania called Uniontown um, mm-hmm. from October 25th, 1970. And this story just you know, smacked me in the in the in the face when I read it because well here I'll I'll give a, a really brief uh, quote from it. Okay. So having observed a red light hovering above a field just outside of town, twenty-two year old man and, teen, and two ten-year-old um, boys rushed to the site in a pickup truck. The light now revealed to be a dome-shaped UFO and had turned white and now rested on the ground, making a sound like a lawnmower. Wow. Screaming sounds could be heard nearby. Two large ape-like creatures with glowing green eye walking okay. along the fence the taller foot hairy biped was running its left hand along the fence while the other nearly
nearly dragged the ground. Behind it, a shorter seven tried to keep up with the, a whining sound emanating from both to be a method of... Ooh, weird. The oldest witness, who was bearing a rifle, fired times directly into the larger hairy biped, which reacted by whining and reaching out to its companion. At that moment, the UFO vanished. The two creatures disappeared into the tr state trooper summoned to the scene soon afterwards noticed a 150-foot luminous area where the UFO had sat. He also heard loud crashing sounds in the woods, apparently made by someone or something big and heavy. The 22-year-old witness who accompanied the officer <clears throat> suffered an emotional breakdown at this juncture. Yeah, for what it's worth, they probably would. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with him. Um, and this story... That's that's interesting on a, on a few levels. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that for you, the thing that hit you the most was the same thing that hit me was the glowing green eye. I actually know the date. Oh, what, oh, how so? Well, 1973 is like, like the year of the humanoid. Uh, like there, there were so mm. many like UFO encounters mm. and just weird stuff. 1973 was a huge... Mm -hmm year mm -hmm. um that, that's pascagoula mm -hmm. um and i know there have been uh, a few others and i feel like ooh, i could be wrong don't totally quote me on this but i feel like especially fall mm -hmm. 1973 <clears throat> mm. was kind of a big deal so here we are we're in pennsylvania we're in october of 1973 mm -hmm. we have not only a ufo but we've got large you know, we got a couple of Donkey Kongs. Yeah, pretty much. You know. Um, or Wookiees. <laughs> or Wookiees. Yeah. Wookiees don't really whine. <laughs> you know. And, of course, the whining after being shot is like, dude, he <laughs> shot me. Right. I'm going to whine about it. No. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, yes, I mean, again, glowing green eyes. Yeah. that was Very interesting. Yeah, that was the thing that, that, that got me. Um I mean, it's, 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 it's a weird story all around, you know? I mean, <clears throat> totally. It implies that maybe these creatures were occupants of the, the UFO or projections of the UFO or something. It's weird that once the shooting started, the UFO literally just vanished. Like, did it go into some sort of, like, cloaking yeah. device or something? Mm, I, look, I, what I... What do you think? Love about doing this kind of research yeah. is, and doing a show like this, is... When you get a story and you can go, wait a second, this reminds me of this aspect of this other case. Oh, what do you got? Right? So here we've got a UFO making a sound like a lawnmower. Okay, so it, mm. it sounds like a little, you know, two-stroke engine. Right. It, sound, it sounds like our childhood go-kart, mm -hmm. which used a lawnmower engine. Mm -hmm. um, back when lawnmower kids... Lawnmowers used to have engines. <laughs> right. You, you didn't just push them. They weren't, they weren't outdoor Roombas. Um, anyway... Um, it reminds me of the fact that Indrid Cold's ship, mm. right? It, 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 again, we, we have, um, what was it? Like the, the, the hatch on it shut mm -hmm. and it, and it sounded like a car door slamming. Right. Right. It's that thing where you're looking at something fantastical. <clears throat> you're looking at something kind of, um, supernatural, mm -hmm. um, or here, let's 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 use the term. You're looking at something paranormal, aside from normal, mm -hmm. right? But then it makes a normal sound. And so, how do we? Is it is it just the human mind going? I don't know how I would describe it, but this is the closest thing I would compare it to. Maybe. Or is it? Look, 
I'll tell you this, if doing all this kind of work has taught me anything, it's that the human mind is far weirder than any of us give it credit for. Because, like, is this, for lack of a better term, the phenomena interacting with these three people Mm -hmm. and going and and like literally picking their brains it's like okay i need a sound for this ufo to make a uh, 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 lawnmower okay lawnmower well and it makes that sound well definitely i think that i mean one could based on these two stories if you take them at face value one could potentially draw the conclusion that these hairy creatures are occupants of the vehicles and majors from another planet but i think mm-hmm. the interesting thing is there's so many stories of ufo pilots or aliens that are hairless rather than hairy so yes. it seems like this wouldn't necessarily fit in with that if, if i think if you took the the quote-unquote phenomenon with a capital p uh interpretation it, it's almost like um let's pretend that all high strain is some aspect of the presenting itself to different okay witnesses. okay it's yep. almost like the phenomenon it's almost like it's getting its wires crossed and it's it's like it's like somebody ordered a bigfoot sighting and ufo sighting and they they like got smushed together do you know what i mean <laughs> yes yes i don't know how to you... better say that but uh it's it's the classic uh reese's peanut butter cup dilemma you got your Bigfoot sighting in my UFO. Oh, <laughs> dude, you got your UFO in my Bigfoot sighting. Like, I don't know. Like, like let's say you're trying to tune in a, a radio station and somehow the, the static, like, you get two stations at once. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, something yep. like that. Like, no, I totally get it. Yeah. There's it, like, like a, like a, like a coverage area with a radio station. Mm-hmm. You're just in that spot. You're far enough from one town and one station at the same frequency. And you're far enough from the other town mm. and the other station at the same frequency that you kind of pick up both. I really, my heart goes out to the witnesses because if nothing else it sounds like in both cases it was a incredibly traumatic experience you no know, regardless of what the cause was you know without a doubt um i mean it's one of the creepiest parts of the marshall monster is how <clears throat> that one of the kids says that basically it's almost as if the monster was trying to figure out what the, the humans were do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean if you, if you take the bigfoot hypothesis presumably bigfoots sort of know what humans are and to the extent that we're bad news so they try to keep away from us do you know we're, we're a known quant in some regard you would think right i don't know but but according to this, I mean, that creature had no idea what people were and just tried to pick them up and take them with them or something, you know? Well, yeah, because maybe, maybe, just maybe, all it knew were cows. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or maybe, uh-huh. maybe the creature in Marshall, Michigan was the self-same communion town that got shot. Uh, oh, perhaps. I mean, if you take the theory that, oh, it's just a hairy alien flying around in a UFO or something. Yeah, yeah. Although the Marshall Monster doesn't have any sort of craft sighting, right? No craft sightings, no. Okay, okay, but that doesn't rule it out. It could just be parked somewhere and they, they shut the lights off. Wouldn't it be weird to think that, let's say for a sake, for sake of argument, that UFOs are nuts and bolts vehicles, right? That from another place, okay. right? Wouldn't it be weird to think, what if like every UFO, what if there's only four of them? And I just, what I mean by that is, like what if all the UFO sightings throughout you know, the 20th century, you know, was just like, you know, four vehicles flying around at different places at different times. Maybe it had different configurations or something. Isn't that weird to think about? I always think about, you know, you know, if a person saw a UFO in 1950 in Patagonia, another UFO in 1980 in, in Spain, you know, maybe it's like the same vehicle and it was just like on a different mission, just going. I mean, possible. I mean, I'm getting way off track here, but it's like, that's okay. If, if, you know, 
I know we talked about disclosure earlier. If disclosure ever did hypothetic, right. one of the things I would be most excited about was, okay, you know, now we know the general shape of, let's pretend they show us what the vehicle's like. Hey, here's the UFO. This is what, what they look like. It's got landing legs and it's green and there's a red light on top. Like, I would be fascinated to go through all these old reports and just, you know, weed out just the ones that fit those definitions. Do you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. You'd right. be like, well, maybe those are the ones that really were these guys or whatever. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah, no, no, no. That 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 has a sense to it. Yeah. You know, show me a legitimate craft. Mm -hmm. You know, I can take the information about how that looks and go back through cases and go back through stories and go, oh, okay, so this fits this. And yeah, absolutely, you can categorize those out. You know, I got to say, I know nothing about Jamie Heineman as a person or his private life or anything like that. But mm -hmm. like, I wonder if this story, I mean, it happened in the mid 50s. I'm certain, I'm, I'm assuming he's not that old, you know, and he's not in his 70, you know what I mean? Um, I, I'm, no, I, I'm, I don't think so. I'm wondering if this story filtered through that community in, term, in terms of like a legend over time, and then maybe he was aware of it growing up even. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. That is a good question. Well, any final thoughts on the Marshall Monster before we move on to your excellent story? Uh, I, You know what? I, I think you picked a fantastic story oh, to start the season off. Um, I love it. Um, it, it's, it's super weird yeah. and, and I, I'm always a fan of those. And the fact that you found something, it wasn't just a creature with green eyes, but it was another tall, hairy biped right. with green eyes. You know, it's, it's, you're just ticking off more boxes mm -hmm. to go, mm, maybe these are the same creatures. You know, Michigan to Pennsylvania isn't a huge distance. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the Apple Valley UFO story comes from um, an issue of Flying Saucer Review. Not, I don't think, that Flying Saucer Review. Uh, this is, well, there's a magazine okay. that came out um, called Flying Saucer Review. Um, you can find issues of it on like eBay and stuff. You can probably find issues of it on, on the site in the show notes. Mm. No, this was a, um, a small newsletter uh, based out of, let me bring the PDF real. Oh, Seattle, Washington. Okay. Thank you. Uh, for, for a whopping 30 cents, oh. the Flying Saucer Review, the official publication of Space Observers League. I love it. I love it. What a name. And of course, S O and L are, you know, much bigger, uh, font. So they're S O L. <laughs> um, anyway, <clears throat> no, this was uh, Volume 1, Number 8, so this is August of 1955, okay. uh, that this came out. And uh, it says here, the Flying Saucer Review uh, is the official monthly publication of the Space Observers League, a non-profit, non-fiction publication, uh, wait, a, a non-profit, <laughs> non-fiction publication of a non-profit club. Oh, I love being an editor. What is it, Seb? What is it about um, these old newsletters and stuff and the overuse of quotation marks? Maybe they get paid by the, I don't know, by the word or by the punctuation? By the character. Yeah. I don't know how, these aren't, they're not writing for a newspaper. No. They're not writing for a big publishing house. I don't think they're getting published by the, or paid by the character. Oh, okay. Uh, but yes, anywho. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to find something old, mm -hmm. you know, I love that we found something just, a, we both found something a couple of, uh, a year apart here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and so this tale actually, um, 
was um, originally published uh, in the magazine Saucers. Okay. Okay? Because uh, right at the top of the section it says, The following sightings have been reprinted from the magazine Saucers by permission of the editor. In other words, we didn't have enough stuff to put in a newsletter, so we're borrowing some stories from another source, which honestly is it's fine. You know, you're helped disseminating these stories even further, so nothing wrong with that. I'm... Anyway, so this is a tale by a gentleman named uh, Hart Goodman of Culver City, California. Okay, um, so Apple Valley is Southern California desert, kind of just a couple miles out past Victor- Victorville. Okay. Um, and uh, that train you hear in the distance may be headed out there. I don't know. I Maybe. Maybe. I can't tell from here. Um, but Mr. Goodman says, on December 16th, 1954, I was dubiously fortunate, nice use of words, to have observed a UFO. And then proceeds to point out that it means unidentified flying object in parentheses. Thank you, Mr. Goodman. In the skies over Apple Valley near Victorville, California. I feel that I've had enough experience with flying, radar navigation, and observing to qualify for reporting the following incidents with near accuracy. I'm certain that the phenomena was of a tangible nature with dimensions that were real, though unbelievably so. The object was cigar-shaped, of extremely bright silvery material, right? Think back to that big silver cylindrical object over Hellier, Kentucky, yeah. right? It remains stationary of an altitude of approximately 25,000 feet, almost directly above the Apple Valley Inn, which is still there today, from about 6 o'clock p.m. on the 16th of December until almost noon of the following day. Wow. 18 hours. You've got this big silver cylinder sitting way above yeah. this town, Okay. This is one of the reasons why I picked it. It sat there for 18 hours. This wasn't like, oh, it was there. It went behind some trees and it disappeared. Um, Because you got to think, 18 hours worth of weather and wind and everything passed through that area. And that object didn't move, right? So lends it some... It's not, a, it's not a meteor falling or something. It's it's not a meteor. It's not a cloud. It's not, it's a, not a balloon from a yeah, yeah. It's not a balloon from a car lot mm-hmm. or something. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that night the object appeared as a reddish orange glow. But when the sun came up in the morning, the object became silvery. It was easily visible with the naked eye. I observed it in the morning with a pair of binoculars and was able to make out quite a bit of the detail. This object must have been about two and a half times as long as a B twenty nine. Okay. For the record, B-29 is 99 feet long. Okay. So we're talking almost football field in length. Yeah. Um, there were two windows or ports at one end near the bottom. It seemed separated through the length with a single roll of uh, bolts or small holes, mm. right? And so um, it turns out, as I searched this up, that there's a website, and I'll probably throw the link uh, in it, uh, in the show notes, uh, called project1947.com. Um, and it's got a copy of this story, but it also has a sketch of the craft. Oh, yeah. Um, and I threw the sketch into the show notes. And, okay, I, if this was done by Mr. Goodman, he's not a great artist. Uh, this looks nothing like a cigar. Um you know, but anyway, I'm 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 being particular, but you can see where the two viewports are. Mm-hmm. You can see where this row of either bolts or windows or something is. Um, so he goes on. 
there were approximately 50 people who observed the same thing that I did. Among them were two deputy sheriffs from Victorville, a medical doctor, the manager of the Apple Valley Inn, and most of its employees, Mm -hmm. plus at least 20 guests at the inn. So not only do we have a large cigar-shaped object Mm -hmm. that stood in the same spot or floated in the same spot for 18 hours, but this is a mass Sighted. Yeah, it's a massive... 50 people. Yep, yeah. Okay? The authorities were repeatedly called at George Air Force Base, which is just four miles from Victorville. The only answer that could be obtained at the time was that they had planes, jets, in the area and were investigating. They assured any callers that it was not a weather balloon or similar object, but beyond that, they'd say nothing. The following day, they denied the whole incident and denied that any inquiries had even been made by all these people. Wow. Mm. That's right. In the early morning, there were jets all over the place. One vapor trail was visible flying directly over the object at about 35,000 feet. The jet wasn't visible with the naked eye, but could be seen with binoculars. The pilot of that jet couldn't have avoided seeing the object. One of the guests at the inn took some pictures of the object, which I later learned were taken from him by the authorities. Mm. Bum, bum, bum. On Friday the 17th, I returned to Los Angeles and gave a full account of the experience to Mr. Paul Coates of the Mirror News. He immediately began to check my story and verified everything that I told him. And there you go. Now, so yeah, like I said, I chose this encounter because we've got this massive, like, 300-foot-long UFO basically hanging out over the Apple Valley Inn. I don't know if they maybe came down for the dinner. (laughs) Maybe there's a show. I couldn't tell you. For 18 hours. That's huge. I don't... I, I, off the top of my head, I cannot think of another UFO sighting that lasts that long. Right. Yeah, that that's... that's... Right? Three three quarters of a day. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I mean... I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, it's... Oh, totally. I mean, I, I immediately wonder what the photographs looked like. Uh, yes. If, if, if they were seized, that has kind of a, a almost like a men in black vibe to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, you know, or even if it was just, you know, uh, uh, the Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. The folks up at the Air Force Base. Um, so, and the, the simple fact that, you know, it's again, it, this is... You know, what are we? We're we're seven and a half years after Roswell, right? We're just we're just a a, a couple years after um like the saucers over Washington stuff in fifty two, you know, and, and we've got again, we've got contact with a military organization we've got this air force base who they're like oh yeah don't worry we've got some jets investigating it yes we're taking your information down and like the next morning they're like "Uh uh-uh nothing happened yeah yeah and nope nothing to see here folks shoo um so i i do have a copy of paul coates's article that i'm going to read here in a second okay um but i also took a minute to go hey let's look up apple valley california Mm -hmm. on ufo stalker Oh, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> there are definitely some sightings still happening out there. I mean, it is the desert. I, I feel like there's something about the desert. But it's interesting that there's, uh, uh, at least in the more or less immediate vicinity mm-hmm. of the Apple Valley Inn, um, that there have been two UFO and two black triangle sightings mm, okay. in the vicinity of that place over the past six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's still kind of an active area, mm-hmm. it seems. So obviously one of the things I wanted to track down was Paul Coates' article. And I pinged you and was like, hey, with all your knowledge 
and your resources. Can you help me find this article? And I fell flat on my face. I felt so bad. And then you, you no. pulled it out. It was amazing. Well, look, it's not so much that I pulled it out. It's just when I searched the link at Project 1947, and I, ser I searched the word Apple just mm. to get to it quickly. And it goes, there's nine instances of the word Apple on this page. And I was like, it's not mentioned that many times in the article. And so I kept clicking mm. down, mm -hmm. and boom, I found the article. There you go. So um, here it is. Here it is. Uh, he's, I think he's a bit of a comedian, too, because he says, <laughs> my book entitled Be a Reporter in 10 Easy Lessons and Earn Up to $20 a Week Working at Home in Your Spare Time will be out as soon as we can figure out a way to shorten the title. In the meanwhile, I'd like to give you a preview of Chapter one. It's called How to Check a Flying Saucer Story. And pay attention, because without this information, you might just as well turn in your battered felt hat. Because you're not a reporter if you don't have a battered felt hat. <clears throat> Yesterday, I checked a flying saucer story. It's simple, really. Just a matter of routine. It came to me first in a call from a man named Hart T. Goodman of 4838 Jasmine Avenue, Culver City. Now, before I go any further, folks, um, I have no problem saying that address out loud because I went ahead and I looked online. I looked on Google Maps. That address no longer exists. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm my best guess is at one time jasmine avenue continued further down but it's since had part of that neighborhood redeveloped oh. into like apartments mm -hmm. and stuff like that so 4838 jasmine avenue is no longer there and odds are Hartie goodman has long since passed on hopefully finding out exactly who was piloting that giant silver cylinder <clears throat> anyway back to the article he had just returned from a trip to apple valley there's something in the sky up there he told me. The whole town's seen it. Can't figure out why the papers haven't written anything about it. Then he described what the whole town was seeing. An oblong object with two dark spots. During the night, it gave off an orange glow. In the morning, there was no discernible glow. Goodman, a former radio operator on a B-29, estimated the object's altitude at about 25,000 feet. Oh, so that's why he compares stuff to a B-29. Because he's been on one. Okay. When he hung up, I called Apple Valley. I spoke with the manager of the inn there. He'd seen the object. Dozens of people he knew had seen it, and had anxiously called George Air Force Base, asking what it was. I spoke to the sheriff's office in Victorville. They knew about it. I talked with Charles Cowling, manager of KAVR in Apple Valley. His station had been besieged with calls. George Air Base told us, he said, that they didn't know what the object was. They admitted, he added, that they'd sent up planes to investigate. Did you see it yourself? I asked. Yes, Cowling replied. I don't know why he sounds so creepy. He's... He's, he's a manager of a TV station. He shouldn't sound that creepy. I don't know. I do voices. Welcome to the show, folks. And he described the same thing Goodman had reported. Well, that I called George Airbase. It's an experience I'll long remember. <laughs> Talk about getting the runaround. Strap in, folks. I spoke first w with the telephone operator who was on duty the two nights the unidentified object was sighted. <clears throat> At least a dozen people in Apple Valley had told me they phoned George Airbase on those nights. But oddly, the operator didn't remember. Oh, we didn't get any calls, she assured me. I don't know anything about a flying saucer. This is the first I've heard. Then she added... I better connect you with the base duty officer. She put me on. No, we have no information about any identified object, he told me. Quickly, you better talk with the base public information officer. Later, I talked with the base information officer. A non-com, right, a non-commissioned officer, admitted they had been informed about the object and had investigated it. But what were the results, I asked. Uh, you'd better talk to the base intelligence officer. 
He said, perhaps he could tell you something. The base intelligence officer couldn't. Eh, we write off 75% of these sightings. Most of them are certain types of sonic balloon. I'll be honest, I love Doctor Who, and they have the sonic screwdriver. I don't know what a sonic balloon is. I'd, I'd love to see one. Well, trust me, if you Google sonic balloon right now, you will see a balloon of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, of course, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. We've solved it's, the case. <laughs> that's had fallen back through time. I don't know. I don't think Sonic the Hedgehog existed oh, no. in 1954. It wasn't based on like an old book or something? I guess not. Okay. <clears throat> no, oh, well. I don't think it is. Yes, that great J.R.R. Tolkien novel, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Right, right. Anywho, anywho, is that what this was? I asked. Well, very frequently, it's only a balloon, he answered. Was it a balloon this time, Captain? I tried again. Oh, you'll have to talk to the base weather station about that, he said. The base weather station had no information that a test balloon was aloft in the area. <clears throat> well, what about the interceptor planes that went up to investigate? I wanted to know. What did they report? Oh, no, you'll have to speak to Major Aerosmith. I was told. I talked to Major Aerosmith. A-R-A-S-M-I-T-H. Oh. Just in case I'm pronouncing it poorly. Aerosmith. Not Aerosmith. Like That's totally different. Oh, That's the entire band of Aerosmith <laughs> yeah. was actually the head of George Air Force right. Base in the 1950s. A, it was a crazy time. That's a wacky Air Force Base. Crazy, crazy time. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't know anything about an unidentified object. He didn't know anything about planes going up to investigate. Now, here's a name. I'm like, okay, I'm going to investigate this name. Was there really a Major Aerosmith? Right, right. There was. Oh, okay. Um, and so over at VeteranTributes.org is where I found some information, and I quote from them. Major Aerosmith next flew F-86 Sabres with the 94th FIS at George Air Force Base, California from June 51 to January 1955. Oh, okay. Followed by service as assistant and then director of operations and training with headquarters uh, 27th Air Division at Norton Air Force Base, California from January 55 to November 56. <clears throat> now, I'm going to pause the story here just for a little bit of speculation. Okay. Right? The Apple Valley UFO sighting happens in the middle of December 1954. Okay. Right? Aerosmith is the guy on base in charge at the time when this happened. Okay. The very next month, he moves to Norton Air Force Base. Oh, they're transferring away all the witnesses? Possibly. Oh, yeah. Just putting that out there, it could be coincidence. It could not. I think it's more fun to believe that it's not. But that's just me. <clears throat> so the major then suggests, well, perhaps you can get a statement from the base public information officer. That was where I was started, so I hung up. As a result, I still don't know if there's a flying saucer in the sky over Apple Valley. But at least there's one consolation. It's quite evident that a spy will never pick up any information from our Air Force. <laughs> Let him try, and he'll end up with a nervous breakdown. <laughs> there we go. Another nervous breakdown. Right. That's, that's our theme throughout the whole show today. <laughs> what, 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 what's, your, what's your takeaway from this? What's your impression? What's your gut feelings? I mean, that there's... With as many people who saw it, with as long as it was in the air, I, I feel like there's some legitimacy to this sighting. Um... How much of Paul Coates's call to George Air Force Base was exactly what happened? Or did he kind of embellish literally just getting transferred from department to department to department? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I can't say. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised as a reporter if he, if he did, you know, call and make inquiries. I wouldn't be surprised if he got the runaround. Um, I, I know that, you know, kind of like... 
what, you know, X-Files era me would look at something like that and be like, well, they're messing with them. Mm. You know, they're, they all know something happened, right? They all know not to talk about it to the press or anything, but they're, they're, they're going to F with them. And, you know, oh, here, here, let me transfer you. Hey, Bill, it's the press. Mm. Give them a, yeah, okay, 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 hold on, hold on, <laughs> click and send it over, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it, it, my gut says that this really happened. In fact, I, I, I would be, I mean, the Apple Valley Inn has probably changed ownership a few times. That's one thing I, I didn't think to look up, you know, was the actual Apple Valley Inn itself. But that would be one of those things. I'd, I mean, I'd, I would be curious if I were already in that area. I wouldn't make a special trip just for it. Well, it's you know, it's to pop in and be like, hey... <laughs> How do, you, how do you start that conversation? <laughs> Probably over a slice of apple pie. <laughs> right, right. Um, it, it's interesting, though, because it's conceivable, given the date and the number of witnesses, there might even be some people still alive who saw it themselves firsthand um, if they were young enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, not not impossible. Yeah. Or it, it certainly could be something that, you know, what are we, uh, 70, almost 70 years yeah removed from it 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 could be something where it's like oh yeah my my mom or my dad remembered seeing this that or the other thing Mm -hmm. um there's just because you know i I read through this this entire uh newsletter i wanted to share one little thing here it's very short and it's very funny and i'm just trying to get down to it really quickly here um oh good word oh here we go here we go um uh headline fun shop sought in space david stewart a fun shop owner at huntington park california i what do you what what's, what's in a fun what's shop? a fun shop i want to know i want to know what's in a fun shop is it just like a touristy thing is it is it a toy shop they call it a toy shop if it's a toy shop this is a fun shop (laughs) didn't realize that the world's first space satellite will be the size of a basketball when he telegraphed president eisenhower he requested exclusive exclusive rights to open a fun shop on the satellite what (laughs) right so this this guy's going what they're sending a satellite up into space he's thinking a space station right right I'm I'm gonna open up my fun shop on. I'm gonna be the first fun shop in space. God dang it! You're gonna see that. Well, I'm gonna telegraph the president and send it in Morse code or some crap like that. And of course, it it's it's you know it's Sputnik sized. It's a basketball. And of course, that evening, Ike turned over in his bed to Mamie while they were resting their heads on their big pillows, and Ike says, "What's the fun shop?" <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what a fun shop is. Oh my god! What is a fun shop? I mean, we... and, and and then maybe goes Ike, dear, go back to. Sleep. I know, right? You know, gee whiz! Now, I can't think of anything else other than what is a fun shop. <laughs> uh, I'm totally ruined for the rest of the episode. <sighs> Oh my gosh, that wow. might be the best. That might just be the best part of the episode. Now I'm glad I shared that. A fun shop. I mean, presumably all 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 store owners would <clears throat> hope that their shops are fun. I would think, right? I mean, I mean, unless they're really hoity-toity and too full of themselves, I, which I'm sure happens. I guess. I guess. I don't. Know. Yeah. What? So so. Yeah. Let, let's let's take a step back yeah. from the fun shop. Yes. What is what is your take on Apple Valley? What's your well, gut feeling I mean, on Apple Valley? I mean, one thing, and, and you may have said this when you were reading, reading the article, and I, I, I missed it, but, I mean, one of the things I wonder about is, did anybody witness the departure of this cylinder? 
Oh, and good question. If so, did it just blink out? Did it go away slowly? Did it zip off at high speed? That's one question I have. And that is um, not reported at all, nor nor its arrival. Right. Um, I also wondered, like, what people these days might be able to dig up on the case using tools that maybe they didn't have back then, like maybe the Freedom of Information Act. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I mean... Ooh, that would be... I wonder if George Air Force Base is still there. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, a good question. Um, that is. They're, they're, that would be... Hmm. Hmm. Wheels are turning in my head. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a car guy, so that kind of happens. <laughs> I mean, I know that there's... Um, I, I know that there are some modern UFOs who have gone back and tried to dig up things on older case FOIA, but um, it, it, you know, I'm not sure if this is even a case that would have been on the radar screen, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's a great, it's a great story, you know? Um, uh, I, I especially love the details, like the little port in the craft, you know, things that, you know, if it was just Expect there to really, um, right? Yeah, right. And uh, George Air Force Base was closed pursuant to a decision by the 1988 Base Realignment and Closure Commission. Ah. At the end of the Cold War, it's now the site of the Southern California Logistics Airport. Ah, okay. So, yeah, that's that doesn't mean that their records have disappeared, it's just a matter of you know making the correct request yeah yeah that would be interesting there might be, be some paperwork up there yeah it's, mm-hmm, it's possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um yeah it's food it's great food for thought i mean it's 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 uh i think both of our stories tonight definitely deserve wider audience another look um uh, heck you you see so many or at least i do uh and maybe some of our listeners you know there's so many great uh television and other media documentaries about paranormal things ufos and it sometimes feels sometimes that they kind of regurgitate the same stories over and over again the same cases over and over again the same witnesses over and over again um and i think this kind of just shows how just just even a little bit of superficial surface digging you could find some real gems out there that you know maybe aren't getting as as much uh publicity as they deserve i guess you know just to kind of give testimony and witness to the high strangeness that is the planet earth and and our world you know Mm -hmm. yeah most definitely well even though we've both pulled articles from magazines every month sev is going to continue to dig <laughs> into the old-timey newspaper archives to unearth the story of high strangeness what do you have this month for us seb well ladies and gentlemen i have maybe this might be our biggest story yet i don't mean biggest Whoa. in terms of the most significant or the number of words but it's a story of a lake monster with a body over a mile long this is a article from the placer herald newspaper of october 16th 1886 run for it marty <laughs> or I guess that's 1885, right? So, that, that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I like I like the reference. <laughs> so I'm not going to read the whole article. It's pretty lengthy, but I'll I'll just give the highlights. Um, it takes place in a little town called Esteline, which is today in today's South Dakota, but back then it was the Dakota Territory. So Esteline's serpent, terrific adventure with a prodigious reptile. Mm. The men of Esteline discovered a sea serpent in Lake Lake Poinsett. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Lake Poinsett, a careful selected party was made up that made the trip to the lake uh, uh, the trip to the lake was made with some difficulty when the party at last reached the lake a member was happy in the thought that the serpent was about to be discovered the best course would be to send a boat out middle of the lake and discover the ski monster and jab a pitchfork into it <laughs> Because what else do you do? Because what else do you do, right? Um, they had rowed out about two miles when the boat suddenly was suddenly struck from below and thrown into the air over 60 feet. Dang. 
The whole party was excited as each realized that the slimy and awful reptile of the unexplored deep had been found. <laughs> the head appeared to be much larger than a barrel. It somewhat resembled both that of a rattlesnake and a savage bulldog. The mouth was open and disclosed row after row of crooked and deformed fangs and two and sometimes three knotty and distorted forked tongues were thrust out in all directions. Multiple tongues? Yes. Um, it gets better. One of the creature's eyes appeared to be red and the other green. Another green eye. Oh. A lot of green-eyed creatures tonight. Holy smoke. From its distended nostrils, a yellowish vapor shot out. The head was wow. for the most part black. It was more than a mile in length. <laughs> There were a score of legs and hundreds of long, flexible arms ending sucker. These death-dealing arms reached out about and writhed about in a disgusting manner. It was flipping them off is what it was doing. Just as, just as the monstrosity began to come up on shore, <clears throat> the party of discoverers turned and fled. A dozen slippery, grasping, suckered-arrayed arms reached far beyond the head and the last of the party just escaped. It uttered a strange, hollow cry of baffled rage. The, the party did not stop running until it reached Esseline. So yeah, there we go. There's a I... one of the weirdest lake monster stories I have ever heard about. A creature Good. in South Dakota, more than a mile long, with a giant head and hundreds of little arms that jumped out of the head and tried to pull people into its mouth, I guess. I don't know. You, you know what this is, Seb. I know what this is. What, what do we got? What is it? This is... Um, <laughs> so so the, the person who wrote the article for the paper, right. um, their small child okay. did a pretty crazy-looking drawing <laughs> and went, Daddy, Daddy, look, look, look what I drew. <laughs> And he went, by golly, this thing's insane. I'll write the best article ever. It'll make me famous. Well, you know, it's, I mean, I looked, I mean, thanks to Google Maps, I was able to look up Lake Ponset. And assuming mm. that its general contours are similar today as it was in 1886, it's only about four miles long. So okay. I kind of feel bad for the creature if it's, um, you know, it's living basically a in a mile long. Up, you know, because it's, it's got to be kind of cramped quarters. If you're a mile That's long, true. Your, your whole world is about four miles long, you know? Yeah, you're literally taking up a quarter of the space in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know, everything from its distended nostrils to its red and green eyes and its three forked tongues, I just, it's got, and it's got you know, uh, all these hundreds of long, flexible arms and a score of legs. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird beastie. That's for sure. I, it, without a doubt, I, I would love someone to take that description and try to illustrate oh, it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, Because yeah. I want to see what this thing looks like. I know, right? I mean, it's like something out of a bad, like, uh, sci-fi or something. It, it, I'm trying to think like, okay, it's got, it's got a score of legs. It's got five times as many are yeah but it's a mile long so that's like what is that that's 5280 divided by 20 like yeah. that's that that's one leg or one foot however many feet yeah it's apparently its body <clears throat> varied greatly in size and color and was shaped the same horrible unnatural form as the head some parts of the body seemed to float in the water and others other parts of the body walked on it i assume when it's walked on the water with the aid of the legs and sucker. So, huh. I, I I mean, this this is a, you know, as bizarre tales go, this is a pretty bizarre one. This is, you know, if we take this back to the idea of, like, the phenomena trying to pull stuff out of people's brains as to how it represent itself. Yeah. 
this is the phenomenon's most schizophrenic moment as yeah. it goes, I'm just trying to pick everything all at once and trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah. And the phenomena suddenly goes, wait, you know what? I can't please all the people all the time. This is true. Although I will have to say in defense of the, the beastie, according to the article, um, it did manage to seize upon the team of horses that the men brought. It crushed, it, and the horses were crushed in the clasp of death. The wild, fierce cry of the horses and wagons as they disappeared within the jaws of the reptile will never be forgotten. Ugh. Holy cats. So, apparently was oh, hungry. man. That is something else. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you're a mile long, I mean, that takes a lot of calories to... I know. It's probably know. really hungry, this little, this little guy. For a big I, guy. I, I, I would imagine that even... Like, let's say in 1886 that that lake was twice as big. Right. Just for argument's sake. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a mile long, you've eaten through everything else. Oh, right. In that lake pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, you know. Um, Dude, that's wild. Yeah. So, you know, heads up to the good people of uh, South Dakota. Maybe you want to, you know, create like a little annual holiday in commemoration of this beast and have a little parade, you know. Maybe like a, you know, sort of open up a fun shop. Yes. (laughs) You know and sell giant plush beasties. Yeah. And they're just patchwork together because this thing is all sorts of different colors. Oh, that's great. And shapes. That's... Oh my god, Seth, that is really that's one of your best. It's the tallest of tall tales. What can I it, tell you? It is the longest of tall it, tales, it, too. It is. Gee, wizards. Holy smokes. Wow. wow. That's fantastic, man. That's I got nothing better I can say. That's it for this month, man. Thank you for joining us on this absolutely bonkers adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day. Although I will say if you are surrounded by a mile-long lake creature, get out of there. (laughs) Save yourself. If you have an experience you want to share with us or you have questions, email us at allnightgeeks at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at allnightgeeks. You can follow me at busbuddha71. You can follow Seb at McMuffin. Indeed. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else. Uh, the Lake Poinsett Podcast Shack. Uh, and be sure to rate and review us as well. Just as importantly, please, man, share us with your friends. Word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around, and we'd appreciate it if you tell at least one friend about the podcast. Uh, big thanks, as always, to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from the album Midnight in America as our intro and outro music. Go give them a follow on the socials. Encourage them to write a new album, because we want to hear some more Ghoulies. Uh, and hit up theghouliesdenver.bandcamp.com to buy their music. Uh, if you want to support us, go buy some of our merch. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That's right, shirts, buttons, stickers, uh, sweatshirts, because it's winter. Who knows? Maybe maybe an umbrella. Maybe we can put our logo on umbrella. I don't know. <laughs> In case it rains. Go check that out. Thanks, as always, to Kate, the steam-powered mouse, for doing the show's artwork. You know, and on top of all that, uh, keep helping local businesses, mm-hmm. local artists. You know, support them, share their work. Uh, you know, we're we're big fans of that. But if you want to throw us a few bones, uh, you can do that over at patreoncom notlg. Oh boy, that's it for the first month of our third year. We will catch you next month with a couple more absolutely bonkers stories. And in the meantime, get out, go find something weird. Good night. Good night, folks. You sound so creepy. He's 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 a manager of a TV station. He shouldn't sound that creepy. I don't know. I do voices. Welcome to the show, folks.